Josh. How are you? Good, thanks. How you doing? I'm not too bad. So before we get into what you're doing right now, I'd like to jump back to the beginning a little bit. Now, what at first appealed to you about being in a band? Um, ultimately, I think it was just a route out of doing normal life, I guess. Like as a teenager, I didn't really like conform to what would have been like the kind of stereotypical route in life, you know, like school, university, nine to five and stuff like that. And I think music was always an escapism regardless. But then when it kind of became a reality that we could make music um, and perform as like our, I guess ultimately our job, then that was really attractive. Thing to pursue. When did that become a reality? When did you think, okay, people like me can actually become musicians? Because when you're young, it feels so far away sometimes. I think maybe like when we were 17, 18 and um, you yeah, left college. And I think when you, when you start playing shows and people are coming, not just to one city, but you can play up and down the country or even abroad and people are coming to watch you perform, you, th you get a pretty good idea of whether or not, and you don't know how long it's going to last for, but you know, in that moment that like it's potentially, um, yeah, it's, it, it's kind of breeding into reality. Yeah. And what I hear a lot from musicians, especially early on and the, the march towards the first album. The, the, there is some naivety in, in, in what you're doing, but at the same time, it's probably the, the most enjoyable time because it's not yet a profession. You're just doing what you can do at that point. So how do you look back at those those starting moments and could you envision what, what the band would become? No, absolutely not. I think it's all very innocent and it's all very much like, you're like a traveling gang, you know, mm -hmm. like you're just going around and playing shows and just you're you're experiencing that transition between adolescence and adulthood in real time with you know a group of friends and yeah I think there's so many of um, the memories that I attach to that part of our band's kind of lifespan are all very much like yeah, just filled with um, with a great deal of like happiness and um, fearlessness, I guess, because you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. You're not meant to know what you're doing. You just you're just kind of I don't want to say going through the motions. You're just but you're just you're rolling with it. You know, there's not like some grand idea of what what you can become. It's just about just yeah enjoying being with your mates and and traveling around. Is there one specific memory that sticks out that you can share? I think when the first time we went to Scotland, we didn't have any money between us at all. And we just about made enough money to get the mega bus, which is like cheap transportation bus thing you can get in England. We played our gig in Edinburgh. <clears throat> and then I just asked on the stage before like the last couple of songs, has anybody got somewhere we can stay? And we ended up just going back to these people's houses and just 
sleeping in, a, I slept in a bathtub, you know, and it's just that kind of stuff where like, it, I think that conditions you to be grateful for when things go well. Um, and I think you don't, it's one of the, it's the formative years of like really understanding yourself, but also those around you and, and how to, how to know whether or not you can do this thing with these people. I think if you can do that, then you can enjoy the, as the money starts coming in or the transportation changes or whatever. But yeah, like just now, if you on stage and if I was on stage tonight, like anybody got somewhere who can sleep tonight, it would be just <laughs> tightly perverse and a bit, you know, a bit inappropriate. But when you're like 16, 17 and, you know, you literally walk around with a rucksack with some clean, right. some clean boxes and socks. It's kind of, you've got no other choice but to try and rely on the, the good spirit of, of music fans. So, as as young men <clears throat> at that time, and then I, I read about the importance of longevity to the band in a sense. Yeah. So, so what do you attribute that to then? Because uh, as you mentioned, it, it is a, especially when you start at sixteen, you're still developing into to the person you will become. So. What is it like kind of figuring each other out and, and making sure it doesn't fall off the rails in, in, in any way? I think it's a work in progress. I think any relationship is a work in progress, you know, like whether you have a girlfriend or a boyfriend or with your mum and your dad or your siblings, like, or your colleagues at work, you know, like nothing is ever the finished article. And I think very much so with our band as well. I think it was about especially when we were younger, it's about trying to understand like respect and personal space and all that sort of stuff. But there was an underlining feeling that if we took care of each other, that then everything else would, as, as long as that was like the primary goal was mm. to enjoy doing what we were doing together and try and enjoy the experience, then it depends how you measure success because we had success quite early on in our career sure. as well. Um, and we could have burnt out just as quickly as well. So I think that the longevity side of things is kind of like the most prevalent to us because it's was the main goal was, oh, can we do this when we're in our 20s and our 30s and stuff, you know? So, but I would attribute like just patience and understanding um, and understanding that we're all different, I think helps. When you're trying to figure it all out, you know? Sure. No one has the answers at 18, 19 years of age. <laughs> I mean, I don't have the answers now at 32. Do you I know what I mean? I was going to say, I'm like, 36 and I have no clue. Just, you know, there's moments in in all relationships where, like, something major can happen or something minor can happen and it's for somehow, somehow can still feel as, like, heavy or as important. Sure. And, um, yeah, I guess you just need to connect with people that are like well-versed in wanting to navigate all of that, you know? But so. then, and then this is, I suppose this occurs both uh, on a personal level, but also on a musical level. You develop your own musical taste, your musical identity. So how do you kind of uh, maintain the band's identity uh, without everybody getting bored of, of what you're doing in a sense. And I believe uh, Sucker Punch was kind of uh, a way to, to explore some, some, some other interests musically. Yeah, that record was very much 
like us flexing our creative muscles and just trying different things. And I think was really trying to feed the appetite of um, more sort of like individual, like stylistic um, ventures, you know, like, and trying to put it all under one house was like difficult. Sure. But exciting at the same time, because when you're drawing on so many different things, like you don't really know what the, what the end result's gonna be. Whereas with Truth Decay, it was more like, we already knew what the end goal was before we'd even started making it. So that felt productive and like was more methodical in what we were trying to do and, and what we were trying what we were trying to say. But yeah, I think I think ultimately not everybody can be driving the car. Mm. You know, and I think there's that in our band as well. We're like we understand that there's different people are gonna come to the forefront at different times. And it's just about trusting that and, you know, letting people fulfill what they need to fulfill through. Like the band is just a vehicle really for all five of us to play music, right? So, sure. but that also sometimes isn't always gonna align up, but it goes back to what I was saying about there being a respect there. And like, you know, we all get paid the same. We all travel together. Like, you know, very rarely will you see a band that hangs out more than you meet six kind of off stage, you know? So I think when you have that intense um, affiliation and, and love for one another, it means that the writing stuff and the recording stuff is, it's already there. You know, you don't need to like, it's not like a trauma trying to like make a record. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's not a traumatic mature, experience. It's not a... Yeah. It's they just kind fun. of have to force you to. But okay, so what what is one thing then that the band likes to do outside of music? Don't know if it's appropriate for the camera. <laughs> um, I think we all enjoy the traveling aspects, not like waiting at terminals and mm, shit for sure. flights, but like when you're in a new place or an old place that you've all collectively got fond memories of. That's really exciting to be out and. We, you know, we enjoy that idea of like, you know, for today being in Holland and like playing a sold out show and the fact that like we can walk around and explore the city and get a taste of like where we are, mm. you know. And day off tomorrow. So you day off tomorrow, explore. yeah. I think there'll be a lot of mooching about for sure. <laughs> but there's, with there's like sporting activities and stuff that we do, but like it's, I'm not going to sit here and talk about golf and football. I think that'll be a bit boring. Fair enough. Um, moving to uh, Truth Decay then, is there, because you said it was, was more methodical, you kind of knew what you, what you wanted out of that album. Was that a um, reaction to kind of the, the couple of years that we had where, where everybody was isolated and, and kind of reflecting on, on what you were doing? Potentially, it's hard to say. I mean, I, I, I've, we have a rule in our house, my girlfriend and I, where we just, we don't talk about COVID because it's just so Fair depressed. Enough. No, no, it's Fair like, it's, it brings back a time where in particular, she was still working during that time, but I've never experienced imposter syndrome like mm. those 18 months or two years. And so I just, just think that it's, for me, it's 
luckily something that you know got through but I don't it's weird because during that we were putting out Sucker Punch so like it didn't feel like that time has been reflected at all in any of our music I think with Truth Decay it's more uh, a conversation that we had about who are we what are we where are we going with this band what what's our seat at the table looking like you know what's our relevance relevance sorry what's our currency within you know a pretty saturated market of loads of bands loads of artists like why do you meet six matter and when when do we matter and i think we kind of agreed that when we're making alternative emo pop rock music if you like with now the experience we have of making loads of different kinds of records if we can refine that sound and make it like pull it into t today and not just regurgitate some old efforts and then we've got we've got something that's worth you know worth putting out so i think that's kind of where that record has come from and i think also just the <clears throat> the kind of epiphany that that's the music that actually we all connected on growing up, like when we were 16, 17, 18 years of age. So yeah. there's something kind of full circle about now making a record like that in your 30s, which we haven't done for quite a few years. So, yeah. What have you noticed then about yourself? Because you are older and then uh, wiser, let's hope. And then uh, what have you noticed about where your thoughts are or... Yeah, interests gravitate towards when writing. I think that I only really let myself go to the writing um, headspace when I absolutely need to, because mm -hmm. once I like unlock it, there's lots of stuff that comes out. Okay. Sometimes stuff that I is better better left buried, <laughs> um, but. I think it's important to be earnest with your songwriting and I think it's important to um, identify things that feel tangible for others, you know, like I want there to be a cross-reference moment when people listen to our music in which they go, all right, that uh, that's me in that song. And I, I don't think you can do that when it's just lyrics that are laced in like, I don't know, cliches or um, just sort of like, I don't know, it's got, it's, it's got to be, sometimes it's got to be painful to make it, you know, like you've got to kind of look at situations in your life or those around you that are uncomfortable because people listen, I think, to music for a handful of re reasons, but one is to feel understood One is to feel joy and happiness. And then one is also to soundtrack difficult moments. So I think if you make a record that has those three components to it, more often than not, you're gonna, it's gonna resonate with sectors of the musical sort of society, do you know what I mean? So, sure. Well, yeah. there's one thing, and maybe if, if this is too psychoanalytical, just please let me know and then I'll, uh, move on, but you mentioned kind of uh, leaving some things buried, and, and and I really like the song "Deep Cuts," which is kind of this this idea of you want people 
or friends, maybe you see friends suffering and you want them to kind of get through it. Mm. Uh, so, so is that song also about yourself then? No. Okay. There's nothing about me in, in that song. It's about two of my best friends who are kind of going through very different moments in their life when it comes to seeking validation and acceptance in the wrong areas. Mm. And so that kind of, and it was the first song we made and it was kind of interesting because it, opened up a school of thought that I'd never really had, which was that I can really position myself in other people's situations and take something from it and make music about it versus just regurgitating the same old shit. I, th I think yeah. the, what you just mentioned that was very apparent when I went through the lyrics, there, there is a sense of empathy and, and, and kind of this, this, this notion of trying to help others maybe that's just what i'm uh, reading through it but th there is a sense of that and there's also a, a bit of light in between the darkness so is that important to have to have that counterbalance in a way yeah i think i think if you're going to go there then you've also got to caveat it with like joy as well you know and like or hope i don't think you can just be like everything's fucked the situation's bleak this is sad, this is painful, this is dark, whatever. Like, I like to, I like to think that our record is kind of reflective also of like being in a bad moment, but understanding it's not forever. Mm. And I try and like bring that in as much as possible. In that sense, I, I always find it interesting, but um, are, you, are you optimistic? Are, are you an optimistic person in a sense? The right kind of people give me optimism. I have waves of optimism depending on the version of myself that is projected by the people I'm around. But generally, I'm a quite a pessimistic person just because I, th I know what, what people can be like and I know what the world can be like. But I think if you spend too much time, that's what I'm saying, like I've realized that I'm very much like a sponge. Mm. So if I'm around the right people with the right energy, then it just cultivates, you know, something between us and more people where it's like, yeah, we can go through life <clears throat> sort of with that glass half empty mm. ideology or, you know, you can spin it. And I'm kind of going through and have been going through a period of time where based on the fact that I've let a lot of the people that I knew weren't good for me or a mindset that wasn't good for me go, mm. then it's way more productive. Because life is there to be enjoyed. It just depends on, you know, who you're sitting with at the table. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, finally then, uh, I read somewhere that, that part of this album also was uh, you wanted to feed your fan base and your fan base, uh, well, this is album number eight. They've been with you for quite a while. Have you seen them grow alongside with you, kind of the same people? And, and uh, what is it like having people follow so, so closely what you do and, and find meaning in it? Yeah, that's honestly been the like the isolate, when you isolate that, it's pretty mental. And like that people aren't just like a fan of one or two songs they heard on the radio one time or like an album here or there. It's like people have our lyrics tattooed on their skin, you right. know, like Roman numeral sixes. And you know, there's a girl in the crowd last night who's, it was her 70th Yumi at six gig. Right. 
you know, which just feels completely excessive. But then I, I kind of revert back to type of like, music can really be that, that thing. It's one of the only, it's one of the very few things we have in life that can completely transcend understanding. Does that make sense? So like, it's, it doesn't need rational, Sure. Uh, rationale, sorry, like it, music can just do that to you where like you're so completely infatuated with the music, the message, the people in it, like what their likes and dislikes are, all sorts of different subplots that are going on. But like, I, I find it at times um, really overwhelming in the sense of like, wow, do I love anything as much as you love you, me at six, <laughs> other than my partner, my sure. parents, my dog, but like, is there something in life that I'm like, God, without that? But then more, the overriding feeling is just uh, gratitude and just like how incredibly beautiful to be part of something that means something that, that much to somebody or large groups of people as well, so. I think that's a beautiful note to end on, uh, Jack May, I thank you for your time. Thanks for your time, brother, I appreciate it, man. Thank you.